Welcome to the John Papaloni Show. This is episode 50. Today I am going to talk about my story and everything that's happened through my life and everything, how I got here, why I chose real estate and everything in between. You know, I'm going to talk about how I went from bust to the top 100 printers in North America before I sold my business. So am I nervous? Absolutely. For whatever reason, well, you always get nervous when you're doing a podcast, you're doing something live, but for whatever reason today, this one is striking a chord. Should be fun. Should be very uh, quite fun. So anyways, so what happened? I'm trying to think, where should I start off with? Maybe I'll start off with when I was young, like where I started entrepreneurship, how I got into that and why I chose entrepreneurship over the traditional, normal, everyday, you know, get a job, go to school, get education so you can get a good job, yada, 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 you know, the usual stuff we hear. So maybe that's the way I've got to, well, yeah. Okay. So how long have I been on, you know, an entrepreneur? How long have I been working for myself? I started when I was 15 years old and believe it or not, it's going to be a common thing or something similar to a lot of people. I decided I wanted to be a DJ, which is not unusual for someone at a young age. It's, it's exciting. It's interesting. You know, it's everybody's favorite topic, music, um, Excuse me. So where I differ was my intent was never just a DJ. My intent was broadcasting. Broadcasting is something that I've I've always been interested in. I'm a realtor now, but believe me, broadcasting is still my number one. It's what I love, which is why I'm in my uh, element on the podcast. This is something I totally love. So I got into DJing, you know, so I can figure it, I can get into nightclubs, play in the music and, you know, I'd be in my zone, you know, playing the music I love, plus the opportunity to get noticed, maybe even get on the radio. I mean, I started this at 15. That was my, uh, that was my objective. So I was 15 years old and I remember my first gig was at a small little bar restaurant in Etobicoke. And I remember the person who hired me and um, he could tell right away I was not the age he thought or whatever. So he just said, as far as you're concerned, you're 19. He goes, that's it. Don't tell anybody anything, whatever. I went with it. I got to play records. I loved it. So sure, I'm whatever age you want me to be. And I kept that to myself. It was great. Absolutely phenomenal. Sorry, I, by the time I got that gig, I'd done small gigs, house parties before that. I would have been 16. I was already driving at that point. Let me be clear about that. Um, so 16, yeah, I was, I was 16, halfway 16, 17, somewhere around there. But anyway, so that was my uh, first, like every week gig, Friday, Saturday. It was exciting, thrilling. Met a lot of people, got to play music. It was great. I mean, I'm telling you, the place filled up. Got to the point, like this place was a bar, restaurant, pool place. They had pool tables and everything. We got so busy that they even took the pool tables out on the Fridays and Saturdays. They stocked them in the back on top of each other every week because there was just no room with the amount of people in there. It was like a zoo. So that's how I started with the DJ business little by little. But again, remember when I started off, I said my intent was broadcasting. I wanted to get into radio. Now, like most entrepreneurs, I was never really a scholar. 
I'm not the type to go to school to get good education. Now, I went to school. I did what I had to do. But uh, it was not my forte. Not my forte at all. I mean, I couldn't stand it. Like, in fact, my DJing business got so busy, I was DJing seven days a week. I'd be coming home four in the morning, five in the morning, sleep for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, go to school. And I remember one year, I actually, uh, my first class was where I slept. So I think I'm not, you know what, I better not even say which class it was. But I remember I'd sleep in uh, for period one in high school. And yeah, I got made fun of by uh, other students and stuff. And you know what? Part of thick skin. Who cares? I was doing what I loved. I was DJing and I was making money. I was getting paid 500 bucks a night and I was working seven nights a week. What? 17-year-old, 18-year-old, whatever, was doing that. I mean, yeah, there's expenses. I had to buy records. Back in the day, we didn't have Serato and computers and stuff like that. We were playing the old records and constantly buying new records and you know what I mean? So that's part of the thing. So there was expenses. It wasn't that simple. But yeah, I remember my first period was my sleeping time and uh, whether I wanted to or not. Now, I remember kids made fun of me and I remembered, um, yeah, kids used to make fun of me. And I remember every week I'd go in and I'd bring in little uh, flyers or pamphlets and I'd be saying, hey, I'm playing at so-and-so. Come out and check it out. And I remember a good friend of mine at the time, he was actually my best friend. He looked at me and he says, what's wrong with you? I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're talking to these guys. You're, you're, you know, like as if they're there to support you. You're talking to them. You're, you're like, it's like you're, they're your buddies, but these are the guys that are making fun of you. So what the heck? Like, why are you doing that? And I said, I go, Mike, what you don't understand is these are the same people that are coming to, to support. He goes, but no, they're not coming to support. They're coming to make fun. I go, but so what? I go, think about it. The same people you're talking about, they're going to come. Yeah, they're coming to make fun of me. But every time that place is packed, I get my 500 bucks. Plus, I get a bonus for every person that over a certain amount. These people are going to help me get my bonus so I can make more. He goes, I don't believe it. He goes, come tonight. Come check it out tonight. I'll make sure you're, you know, you're on the list. You get in for free. Come check it out. You won't believe me. Anyways, so I'm promoting it. And then he's shaking his head. Thing, what's wrong with you? So... Comes over that night on the Friday. He looks. He sends to me and says, "I don't believe this." He goes, "Yeah." I, he goes, "I don't get it." I didn't either. They showed up. I didn't care. It was interesting, but yeah, of course the morning routine. You know, you go in there. You know, walk in. Hey, you gonna sleep today? Whatever. I did. I was all right with it. So until the teacher started making the smug remarks. Once the teacher started making her smug remarks, yeah, a bit of my ego came in. I got angry and maybe I was a little hurt. Who knows? So that's when I got up. I turned around. I basically said, you know what? Screw you. I'm making more than you. Walked out of the class and never went back. Um, that was high school. So, and yeah, where the stupid part was, I didn't graduate high school over two credits. Believe it or not. But I did go to college. They, you know, make you take that uh, GED or whatever it is to get in. I got into college. I took graphics, believe it or not. So I did go to college. I did finish college. I mean, first I went for, uh, well, what is it? That administrative, whatever that everybody goes for just to get a college degree. It's when they don't know what the heck they want to do. Administrative assistant or administrative bachelor. I don't freaking know. It was one of those things. I took it. That lasted three months and said, this is not for me. 
I don't care what degree it gives you. So then I went into graphics. But anyway, so that was my DJing business. I got into that, you know, and I did some of the major clubs, out, well, most of the major clubs out there, put it that way. On top of that, I remember, because remember when I started, I said, I want to get into broadcasting. And lo and behold, my co-op, last year of high school, before that incident, I got into co-op placement at Z103. Back then, it was Hot 103. Man, that was like my dream come true. Now, I'm going to tell you what I did there was a lot of setup, a lot of running around. It was everything you would not expect in radio, but I learned a lot of the behind the scenes stuff and I loved it. I loved the environment. I loved being around the people there. It was heaven for me. Absolutely loved it. I was in my zone. So co-op ended. I stayed around for a little bit longer. Then, you know, DJing became busy. I was started getting bigger nightclubs. I mean, like much bigger nightclubs. So and I went like that for a while. It lasted for a few years. I finally, 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 like my dream, I got onto radio, but as a DJ, not so much as the voice, um, but I still I was still on radio and they still pass the mic every so often. Now I was on through the nightclub. So the overnight, the live to air broadcast that I'm sure a lot of people heard when they're in the car driving during the nightclub days and, and you know, you're listening to it on the radio. Oh, this is at the club. Yeah, well, I used to be one of the ones playing there. I've played at many clubs there, and I, and I, and I had both two different radio stations. I was booked Thursday to Sunday playing on the radio. What a dream! Now, of course, you know you think that's never going to end, and this is as a young kid, young person, you kind of learn. So, what ended up happening is that eventually you, the clubs die down, and they get rid of the radio, and the radios move to other places. But I'm still tied in with the clubs. So once they uh, got, it was down to my last club, last radio thing. And this one was on a Thursday night on uh, Kiss 92. And it was from a club back in the day called uh, Splash, which you might know it today would have been Island or uh, Zubar, depending what area you're from. But it was Splash at the time that it was there. So once the radio had cut out, I said, well, I was doing this because I wanted to be on radio. I wasn't really doing it for the nightclubs. Nothing wrong with the nightclubs. I'm not saying that but I was doing it because I wanted the radio exposure. I friggin' loved it. So I thought about that and I said, I'm getting older. So it's time to do something different. That's when I, you know, I was also, I forgot to mention, I had a part-time job at Bally Fitness. And throughout this process, I built a um, small business card business. It was actually printing. I started building, it was part-time and I was working within the club and I was working, uh, I worked, in the pro shop at Bally Fitness. And I started building this business card thing while all this was going on. Obviously seeing the uh, picture of everything changing and uh, you know losing the clubs one by one, you kind of get an idea of where it's going. And I just didn't want to continue. So I got into the business card business and all that. And I, I, at some point in time, they were going simultaneously, like the nightclub stuff with the printing. And obviously Bally Fitness became a big client of mine. Started off with just business cards. We got into a little bit more stuff and it started building and it was pretty good. I mean, like everything was building. So, which was great. I um, got to the point that I left the pro shop to go work as a sales guy in Bally's while still doing their printing. 
believe it or not. And I remember I um, got to know everybody there. And a friend of mine had just become a general manager at the club. Um, him and another guy, which actually I became friends with too as well. But I mean, I was closer to Brad than Mark. Um, and they wanted to, I, I told him I want to get in here and do sales full time because I can still do the, uh, the printing and everything on the side. So I was just interested in it. I was interested in the uh, lifestyle there. I got in that environment. I wanted to try it out. So they went through the uh, interview process with me, and I had to get set up with the you know for an interview with a guy from uh, like the area director, which is a guy from the states. And it was uh, he ends up being one of the nicest guys too, right? Like I remember having the interview, and I pretty much did everything wrong. And uh, I, I I remember a comment he made to me, and it stuck with me to this day. And he says, "I'll be honest." He goes, um, what, did, what was his words? I remember him saying, I, I remember the end of it. Um, I remember he said, he goes, you know, the interview obviously didn't go very well. I mean, I need some more experience in sales. He goes, but I'm not going to lie. There's not a damn person in the building that doesn't want you to get the job. So I was taken back by that. I was like, wow, I didn't expect that. I mean, I knew I had a little bit of a push, a little bit, you know, some good references, but I did not expect it to go that far. Like, that's pretty good. So needless to say, I got the job. And yeah, there were some, uh, it was some interesting times. There's some fun times there. I learned a lot. I mean, I learned a lot in sales from that. I mean, the experience by far is unmatched. You know what I mean? Like, I am very thankful for that and grateful for that experience. Because trust me, you know what I mean? Like, I learned to do what I did because of that. So I would not be the person I am without that experience. So that's how I started off in sales. And, but I remember it's a doggy dog world there. And it was like very, very uh, intense to, um, hold on. Sorry, I just grabbed a uh, drink of water. Yeah, so it was a very intense time. And I remember um, a lot of uh, odd stuff, you know, people changing deals, putting deals in their name. Um, you know, like I mean, everyone's trying to uh, slice each other and stuff. It was odd. I remember, and I, I I used to get emotional, but I'm pissed off. So I remember one time I used to go and complain. I go, hey, what the heck is going on? Answer is always think positive. And I'm like, what the hell? What do you mean think positive? So, and I didn't get it. I was, maybe I was too young, too inexperienced. Maybe there was something to that. I didn't get it, right? So what happens? I'm retaining the anger, retaining the emotions. So what do I do? I said, what am I going to do? How am I going to topple this? Well, we used to have lead boxes in... Um, what do you call it again? We used to have lead boxes in stores where uh, people would enter for contests and stuff. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get smart. So I thought I walked into one of there, you know, I'm, I'm dressed in the Bali uniform. I walked in, I, I grabbed the box with all the leads. I grabbed them all and I call everybody, right? So when the person who put it in there went to pick up the leads, she, <laughs> that person got the message and said, Hey, they're already taken. Right. So, and now don't get me wrong. It's not personal against one person. I was just ticked off and I was just where I went to get it. Like it was just general. I felt be that I was getting beat up on. So I just reacted very bad move, but regardless. So I did that, but it was funny. I mean, people that I, I still keep in touch with a lot of people from those days and they still laugh about it. So it was all good. So I remember when, uh, when, I, when, what happened came to light, I remember, uh, getting dragged into the office. And when I got dragged in the office, I, you know, I sat there and I thought, okay, and we were talking and they're laughing, even though, you know, that we're talking and they're laughing and right. And they said, you shouldn't have done that. So anyways, I was, uh, I was fired 
And obviously they had no choice. You can't really go against everybody for one person. It was though I did the wrong thing. I stepped over the line. There was no option. Yet I mean, I, I knew it was coming. But then they asked me, do I still want to keep the printing? Uh, I'm making more money on the printing than I was making there. Believe me, yeah, I want to keep the printing. So I ended up uh, building on that print business. And I remember it was amazing, like really building. I was like, what a life. I'm telling you, I worked 9 to 12 every day. And that was it. And then I was on, I go to lunch with some, some of the guys from the club. Sometimes I go play golf. What a life. That was a great life. I mean, it didn't last forever. So what ended up happening is obviously my, like my ego got big. You know, I wasn't humble when I was growing up. So what, where did I go there? Yeah. So what ended up happening is uh, Bally Fitness ended up uh, taking, basically buying out uh, the sports clubs. So there's a new head honcho for Canada. But the States was the same people. So I remember, remember, I'm, I, my connection to the club, besides the internal people, was the States. I would invoice the States. So what ended up happening is he, uh, brought, you know, obviously a family member of his did what I did. So I kind of knew where that was going to go. But I prolonged as long as I can, tried to keep fighting my way in there. But there's certain stuff I, I you know, they didn't take away. I kept getting the business. Now, I remember even another thing. Because I had a very generic name, it wasn't... At the time, it wasn't something that uh, specified graphics. And I, rem like, I remember they had to, um, one of the terms there was they needed 60-day terms, regardless of what they buy. That, that's just the way they went. So they got into a little bit of a jam because uh, they started up a new thing. They wanted massage tables. Nobody would give them the terms, so they got stuck. Now, head office is calling, going, why, aren't, uh, why aren't, don't we have the, why isn't the order placed? <laughs> what are you going to say? Nobody wants to give you the terms. So, and they didn't believe that. So they, uh, this is where we got a little uh, interesting. So what I, what I did, I bought the tables under my business and resold it to them, obviously with a profit. Now I give them 60 days. I had a big enough line of credit then. I didn't care. I'm providing a service. Why not? I saw opportunity. Well, someone brought the opportunity to me, but I saw the opportunity when it was brought to me. And I said, you know what? Why not? So I did that. I fronted all the table, the, the massage beds they did for them. That was a pretty penny, I'm telling you. So that's, you know, again, my ego's big. Now, well, here's another thing that happened. Though. One of the invoices that at the time, the new uh, area manager, there was another uh, person I met that I became friends with who had my invoice, right? So the invoices went to him and he submitted them. He lost one. He kept losing one. He kept losing the same one. I remember he was going to pay for everything else, but this one invoice. I'm like, this is like eight months down the road. I still, you know, it's gone. I'm like, what the heck is going on? And believe it or not, it was the lowest invoice out there. So to be honest, I probably should have just kept quiet about it. It's, it was 200 bucks. I mean, no other invoice was less, was, uh, was more than two. Like this was $200. And that was like probably the only $200 bill I've ever had. So uh, I should have kept my mouth shut or just whatever. But anyways, I got irritated. So I sent it in direct to the, uh, to the Americans, right? The head office. So that came back and that caused problems of why I sent it with a note, with a, uh, you know, a uh, more indirect or more, um, what's the word I'm looking for with a funky letter. Like it was polite and all, but with a letter of saying, Hey, this hasn't been paid. Why isn't it paid? It caused some problems. And that's when I realized this wasn't going to last, but my head was still big. I can replace them. Who gives a crap? So, so I thought I kept spending like I had that income. And I kept trying to build and build and build. And this is when I learned the true difficulty of sales and how 
sometimes it takes a while to nurture large companies and get them. So I put myself into deep, deep crap. I mean, like real crap. Um, so bad that I think, believe it or not, real bad. We'll, we'll, we'll say that the collection agencies were calling. I no longer had line of credits because I owed them on them all. Uh, event, yeah, it was real bad. Like I got paid everything from the companies that everybody that owed me, it paid me. But I had overspent and way beyond what I was collecting. And I thought I could just replace it. So I remember I ended up uh, going to uh, creditor protection for without getting, you know, basically I went bust. And I remember I went there and I, I did my consumer proposal. I went, uh, it was a place in Mississauga and I had a friend of mine who owned a, uh, well, I met someone because I used to go to this donut shop all the time out in uh, Eglinton and I ended up meeting the whole family who owned it. And uh, we became, you know, friends and all that. And I remember one time I came in and I was jump after the consumer proposal. I felt free. I felt free. Like I was like the burden was gone. Shoulders lifted. And I'm going jumping up for joy going, woo. You know what I mean? I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And uh, like, I'm like, ah, time to celebrate. And everyone in the coffee shop is looking mortified. And I'm going, what the hell's going on? Right. I go, what's going on? And I'm like, didn't you hear I'm free? And they're looking at me funny. Like I'm on Mars. And I'm going, why? What the heck's going on? Haven't you seen the news? I mean, I, I've been with the uh, lawyer from eight o'clock on till about 1030. And on top of that, remember, I had to drive to the lawyers and all that. So I haven't seen the news at all. And not that I ever watched the news much anyways. But regardless of that, no radio, no news. I was there. And uh, what was supposed to be a dark, deep day for me ended up being a bright and sunny day, or so I thought. And he looked at me, and I said, no, I haven't. He goes, so you didn't hear? I go, no. And I'm thinking, what, did some, your family member die? Is something going on? What's going on? But, I mean, I'm looking. I go, it can't be that because the whole donut shop is mortified. It was 9-11. The plane crashed through the World Trade Center. So I, yeah, I know I looked like the biggest idiot on the planet at that moment. I had no idea. I just thought everything ended. All the stuff stopped. You know what I mean? All my problems were gone. Yeah, that was an eye-opener. So that was that day. So now I'm unemployed. Don't know what I'm going to do. So I decided to... Uh, I, I took time to think about it. When I say time, I took like two days. Then I just, I, then I had an opportunity and uh, I went, uh, I wanted to go back into business again. I, I, I've, I found an idea. I got into printing again, printing and marketing. I tried to do the whole thing now, not just print. Although to be honest, remember I had a graphics, uh, you know, I, I graduated for graphics. My intent was to be in graphics and I did almost no graphics throughout the whole journey, but that's besides the point other than for myself. So, I decided I'm going to have a marketing agency, not just printing. So that was my thought. So I opened up again, brand new name, brand new everything, starting over again. And I started looking at what a lot of other people are doing. And I had to come up with a niche market. This is how I learned about, about you know, being niche. So I opened up and I started off as a wholesale printer or wholesale. Yeah, that's what I thought. For printing side, I'm going to do wholesale. And then I, yeah, I was going to do everything wholesale. I have a pre-press side for the uh, graphics and all that to get everything ready. Then the print side will have uh, wholesaling. This is before websites became big. So I became a wholesaler. And I remember 
this, like, you, you know, even hearing this, it sounds like I'm the biggest retard on the planet coming here. I decided to advertise in every magazine that had to do with graphics to get all these wholesalers. Now, the re reason is what I specialized in my niche market was what's called consolidated. Um, oh, crap. What was it? gang runs, right? So what it is, is that I would print just a business card, 60 business cards would fit on a sheet. So I'd get 60 different business, uh, 60 different um, customers and place their business cards on there. Now, a lot of times when you have these press and these presses are not 50,000, 100,000, some of them are even as much as five and a half million. Guy who has a five and a half million dollar press does not want to print a $50 business card, right? It's just not worth it. It's like a thousand dollars just to turn the press on. Right. So it made no sense. That was always a burden for them. But how do you tell a customer that's giving you a uh, hundred thousand magazines to print or more each each week or each month? But I don't want to do your business cards because there's no money in it. Obviously, they got stuck with it. So I thought I found that's my niche market. That's the way to get in because I'll do what they don't want to do. And it's not worth it for me. Ganging them up into one print sheet. It's still a uh, fourteen hundred dollar run, which is worth it for them. And for me. It's obviously a lot more at 50 bucks a piece for a thousand. That, like what I say, that's three thousand dollars. My cost is 1400. There's a $1,600 revenue. Makes sense, right? I thought, okay, there's an income. So, what do I do? I'm gonna advertise in the magazines. Now, obviously, they don't know my story, they didn't do a credit check, they gave me credit. And now, remember, this is not instant where bang, you got an idea and you're making money overnight. I remember one month goes by, I've gotten three phone calls, three phone calls. And I'm going, uh oh, now, luckily I had customers from dealing with me in the past, whether it was through DJing or through the other business where they jumped on my run, but those are people that knew me, liked me, trust me. So I was able to fill the sheets just by my, my referrals, let alone the advertising. But I started thinking about it. I'm saying, uh oh, I'm not making enough to pay this. So I thought, what do I do? So a few months go by and you know what? They gave me leeway. Nobody called me for money and I'm in the hole big time. I'm talking about, you know, what is the bankruptcy number two? Will they let me? I thought I'm screwed, right? What do I do now? Guess what? Out of nowhere, it just started picking up. One day phone rang. I got stuck. I need something in two days. Can you help? Yes, I can. That's what I learned. I learned those words. Yes, I can. And with those words, I filled up a second run. Then I filled up a third run. It got to the point every week got bigger and bigger. It got to the point that I didn't have the ability to finance my orders. So I'm starting to going, okay, I can front three print orders or like three sheets, right? 1400 times three. I got that. What do I do now? I, I've got four. I don't know how to print it. So I, I said, I'm going to play the check game. Not good, but I was going to do it. Like what I mean by that is I'm going to print the, uh, the first run. Print the second run. While I pick up the first two, I'm going to go deliver, collect the money, deposit into the bank, write out the checks for everything. Hopefully, I can make all enough deposits that none of them bounce. Okay, that worked the first week, but now I'm up to five runs. Now what do I do? There's no way I can pull this off because some of them, I was getting orders all the way to Vancouver. Those take a day to get there. How long does it take for the check to come back? There's no way I'm going to pull this off. So I got stuck and I started feeling stressed and squeezed. I didn't know what to do. So I got smart. So I thought I decided I'm going to pitch people for investors. So I was doing, and I came up with a number and the thing, what is going to make, what, what's going to be an attractive number. So I borrowed $10,000 at a time and I offered a 20% interest 
for that 10,000. So basically every year you, if I had that 10 K you'd get to, you know, $2,000 from that, from that purchase, like from that, from that money, 20% is a lot. It's the equivalent to a credit card, right? So good for investors. Cause Hey, what is the average investment out there? Look at housing. What does housing pay? 6%, 7%. I mean, forget this year that did or last year that did 20% or 26, but whatever. That's not normal. Let's look at the normal. The normal is somewhere between five and 8%, right? So I'm kicking everybody's ass in terms of interest on an average. So, but that bought me time. That bought me the ability to increase orders. But I, every time I got that 10 K from somebody, the orders kept going higher and higher and higher. And I got to the point that funding my own orders became my biggest problem, which I've never experienced that. So not to that level. And it was pretty crazy because my phone would ring off the hook to the point it would stress me out. I mean, I remember one year I got so stressed out. I used to smash my phone every time I was angry. I went through the receipts. I paid Bell Canada $28,000 one year just for new cell phones because that's how angry I used to get. I couldn't handle it. I knew I had to build. I knew I had to, like, me alone was not enough. I started off working from the house, to be clear. And I remember my parents could not park their cars in the garage because the amount of orders that were in the garage each day would take up the whole damn garage. There's no room for the cars. There wasn't even room for a bike. It got to the point, pure later would come to pick up and the boxes on the porch where I left them would be from floor to ceiling. So, and then it got so busy that I'd have my friend who lived across the street, Dave, come on by to help me package. And I'm telling you, there were so many orders that I even had the pure later guy helping me tape. And I'm sure he wasn't supposed to, but oh my God, I just could not fulfill it. So an opportunity came where my uncle had a building a few uh, streets over from where I lived and he um, allowed me to use one of his uh, empty, one of the, like basically he had a restaurant upstairs on the main store and he had apartments upstairs of the store, but the basement was empty. So he allowed me to use the, uh, the basement. So I'm very thankful for that because that created a lot of solutions for me. So, and I thought right there, I can't do this alone. That's when I did. That's when I started hiring. So I hired people and what ended up happening is I actually grew enough that I ended up having a staff of 23 people. So that point in time, it was pretty good. 23 people as a staff members, I grew obviously, and the orders just kept getting bigger and bigger over time. Obviously I caught up with the magazines, obviously everything, uh, I got to the point that my cash flow, my orders weren't even keeping up to my cash flow. My bank account balance was growing. So, and uh, to a good thing, but of course I got a lot of learning lessons there. Did I learn how to save? No. Did I learn how to budget? No. Well, I learned, but not then. Um, what else? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I wanted something. I bought it as my brother said to me once, you know, I tend to buy things and then think about how to pay for them after. Well, that was the life I was living. I got a new car every year. I started off with a small one because it was too much, too small for my boxes. So I bought a new one the next year, gave away the other car. Out of the, the car I bought again was too small, so gave it away, and I bought a bigger car. Got to the point that I had my Honda Pilot, which to this day is my favorite car, believe it or not. And I remember that car, and I, I just drove a crap load there. Oh, I did all the deliveries myself, so I didn't have, like, local deliveries, being clear. And I remember I did my local deliveries myself, so I would collect on the spot. But I was doing rounds everywhere. Like, to give you an indication of how much driving that took, that was 60,000 kilometers in one year. Like, that's a lot of driving. Jesus.
But yeah, so then the printing was good and all that. And I remember though, but I was an angry guy and I got into some uh, odd stuff. Like I remember, I'll give you an example. I, when I used to go to Niagara Falls, well, I loved those Niagara trips at the time. And I remember first place we go is to dinner. After the dinner, well, first we deliver everything. I mean, obviously customers first. We deliver everything. And then at that point in time, we'll grab dinner. And I was like, I'd go with a friend and it'd be like 10, 30, 11. After that, we'd go to the casino. Boy, that I spent a lot of money at the casino. I mean, I got to the point I was betting 500 bucks a hand. And I, I spent a lot of, you know, it wouldn't take me long, like not long at all. So yeah, like I, I remember um, I was good at it when I played cards for a bit. But the problem is once you get emotional, that's when it was a problem with me. Like I don't remember, I know how many deals they, how many cards they, like card, uh, what do you call it? How many decks of cards they had. So I knew aces as an example. I know there's four aces per deck, three decks is 12 aces. So I know when 10 of them are out, there's only two left the odds of the other two are coming. So I knew how to play the odds. I'd win a lot, but what will happen? I kept going higher and higher and higher. And I remember one day, I'll give you one story. I got up to, um, I got up to $1,500. I was $1,500 ahead. I mean, I didn't start off $500 ahead. I started a hundred, then hundred, 200, then 300. And I kept going till I got it. Anyways, I'm about, I'm ahead by $1,500. And I thought, okay, it's, I'm tired, uh, you know, time to go. I, but one more hand, 500 bucks, I'm going to win and we're going to leave. I'm going to leave it $2,000 cash. I'm sure you can tell where this is going. I lost. So obviously now I'm emotional and angry. Not because of the 500 bucks. As I said, I could have walked away and I've been ahead of 1,000 bucks. But, you know, I'm, I'm irritated because I should have won that, right? In my head at least. So what do I do? I'm going to double down now. So I'm going to get it in there. I keep losing. So everything I won went back and then some. That night, by the time I gave up, I was in the hole for 5,000 bucks. Natural thing. So, with you know what I mean? I Everybody goes through that, not to this level. But my point is, if everybody won the way I was winning in the beginning, they'd be out of business real quick. So I was good with cards. Um, but again, when I get emotional, all the wrong choices. And yeah, so, that, so I spent a lot of time there. Then I went to the bars. We drank a lot, obviously. Um, I went through a lot of things. I remember one time we got a party. The bar ended. I wanted to continue partying. So I had the bright idea. Let's invite everybody. We'll rent out the hotel. I couldn't rent out a couple of rooms where I have a hotel party. Nah, I wanted nobody to bother us. So I rented out the whole damn floor. Talk about stupid. Right? But again, you're having fun. You don't realize it. And again, technology, about everything possible. Got my first laptop. was an Apple. You know, 4000 bucks. Thought it was great. So it's just an example. So I was living the high life, cars all the time. I'm going everywhere I want to go, fancy dinners. And I didn't think I had any problems. Uh, not in the beginning, at least. So where I started to realize that maybe something's not normal is that this buddy of mine, um, I remember he went out uh, to a wedding one weekend and he came back and we were talking and and he says, he goes, yeah, I was talking to my parents and they were telling me about the wedding and how it was so good and so great. And, you know, like how they had all this uh, fancy food and everything. And he goes, I was starting to think to myself, big deal. I do this every day. And that's when it sunk, it sunk into me. I thought, oh, why is everyone else finding this special? And I think big deal, just like he did. That's when I thought, mm, 
I'm doing, you know, something. Maybe I'm living too much of the high life, but it is what it is. So that was part of my lessons. And this is part of, you know, of who I am. See, one, one of the things I learned about myself is I'm quick to make a decision. I don't have to think about it. I don't have to, you know, wait and see. I know whether I'm interested or not. If I'm waiting to make a decision, I'm not waiting to know. I'm waiting to decide if I want to get involved in whatever that's being proposed at the time. I'm waiting to decide what route I want to take. It's not whether I, I or not I know I understand the product. I just don't know if I want to be involved. And a lot of times that's my only hesitation. But I'm all in, as you can tell from what I have everything here. I'm all in when I decide I'm going to do something. There's no halfway for me. So I'm in or I'm out. Bottom line, that's me. So anyway, so then uh, printing is still going well. I expanded now. I'm into a new office. I'm in Mississauga now. I've got an office that's pretty big and it can house things a lot more. So then I had my own office. I, you know, I, uh, it was pretty good and things were going all right. Um, I did learn a lesson there when I decided to move and move more West and close the other office. What I never considered was that I might alienate some customers. And that is exactly what I did because I did not even register that some people were driving to my office in Etobicoke from Ajax and Pickering. Now that I'm in Mississauga, it's even more of a pain in the butt for them. So I saw in effect certain people wouldn't order as often. I realized that was that was a mistake. I am very customer based, service based. So how do I uh, resolve that? I ship it for free. Sometimes, at least, you know what I mean? Like certain things, certain ones that I would order regularly that were coming to pick it up on a normal basis, I would ship it for free. Um, again, you got to be customer oriented. That's any business you're in. That's number one. So that happened there. And I remember though, I remember what I was saying. I I was an angry guy during this period. Sure, the money was flowing. Everything was coming in. Um Again, I went. I went from uh, you know the beginning, coming out of uh, being bust, to now I'm building and building and building. And the more I find the spend, the more I make. And you know what I mean. Buy a car, no problem. I made enough to buy three cars. Buy uh, two cars, I made enough to buy five cars. Buy a house, I could have bought four. Right? I mean, you know, you get the point. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. And I didn't think anything of it uh, until uh, I just kept going, but I kept spending more. My budget just kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I remember that a uh, lot of advantages here, but I was reckless, very reckless. Again, you know, to give you an idea of my social life, if I spent $500 in a night, that would mean I saved money that day. But again, you're young and you think it will never end. You could do no wrong. Ego. I had a huge ego. So what did I learn from that? Here it is. As time goes by, industry changes. Remember when I said I got in before websites were a thing? Well, websites are becoming a thing at this point. I'm still writing it off. I'm one of those guys, the internet's going to die. Obviously, it's not. So I was just not interested. And obviously, the uh, things are starting to turn. But, it is, you know, like things are starting to turn. I... Finally got in a way, I, in a way I got what I wanted. I was able to hire enough and be able to, you know, get managers and get people to run. I didn't really go to the office all that much anymore. So I started working remotely. I'd work at a friend's restaurant. And I remember I was just overseeing it. 
and and I hired a guy. I had a, I hired a guy to do uh, graphics for me, and I remember uh, I don't know the guy. Like we're friends to this day. Nice guy, but my God, he used to make so many mistakes. And every time I used to get the message, this is wrong, that is wrong. I remember I started getting involved again. And once I started getting involved again and and, and being in there, I remember I'd be at the restaurant one day and I'm working and all of a sudden I hear like everyone's doing their thing. And all of a sudden you hear me scream out loud, ah, fuck, right? Like I'm just pissed off and I'm screaming. And then one of the waitress turns to me and says, you're working again, aren't you? I go, yeah. He goes, I could tell. We don't like it when you work because you get all angry. <laughs> <laughs> it was just comical the way she said it. I got the point. And I remember, so that's when I started going back to the office. But again, remember, I said I'm an angry guy. So here I am. I'm walking back to the office one day and I have been avoiding customers and anybody because I just did not want to be the, I, I had people. The way I looked at it is I had people to deal, deal with it. I wanted to be in the background, not in the foreground, which obviously the business paid the price for that. So I remember I walked into the office. Here's a story. I walked into the office one day and, uh, and it was actually a very good customer. And I actually liked the guy. Like, like he was a really nice person. I mean, it, it's a shame. And I remember I walked in, cell phone in hand, and he's like, oh, I haven't seen you in a while. I've been trying to reach out to you. He goes, what's your cell phone number? And I, again, I'm walking in because I'm going to fix the errors that this designer made. And so I'm, I'm in an irritated mood, but I'm trying not to show it. I'm like, but I, I obviously showed it. I go, I don't really have a cell phone. I got rid of it. Meanwhile, the phone's in my hand. It's frigging ringing. And I, and I walk straight to my office. Like, oh, my God. Right. But again, ego, I learned this, you know, so yeah, where was I going with this? So yeah, that was one of those things. Like I became so overwhelmed and I made some bad hiring choices. And this is something, again, this is all how I learned. Right. So I made some bad, like I used to hire quickly and fire slowly from all this. I learned that you can only control yourself and control what you do. And the biggest, uh, your team is the most important thing that you have to build because they're the ones representing you. They're the ones taking the stress off you. They're the ones that are going to help you grow or fall apart. If you hire the wrong person on the wrong team, that's bringing your rep down. And, and anyone who says, I'm not emotional, I don't get bull crap. You're not, you're not being honest with yourself. Because believe me, when crap's hitting the fan, and things are going right, you're damn emotional, especially when you think everything's on the line. So I learned that. That's where I started putting more trust into my team. I had a uh, customer of mine who uh, we ended up becoming good friends as well. And I ended up making him a uh, manager because he, you know what? He had the quality that I uh, thought would be good for the business. And he does. He still does. Like He had the right qualities, right? Everything. I started learning about hiring at that point in time. I, um, it was a learning lesson, like I said, something that I didn't know in the beginning and something that I grew, grew to know, like learned. And, um, yeah, so that was one thing. And then, um, what happened was, so yeah, so he started hiring and I remember my closest friend, he, uh, I became in the middle of the drama and this was like, kind of like, it was what I mean by in the middle of the drama, we had created some policies and structures that we thought would be customer based. Now, my childhood friend was not for it. It was not for it at all. And I, being that emotional, said, you know what? You're the manager. You decide what happens. You figure it out. Because not something I want to jump into on this part. It was uh, it was kind of too uh, personal. But he says, you don't understand. I want to let him go. 
And uh, I was taken back for a couple of minutes. And I can see it because anybody else, I probably would have been on the same page. So I thought about it and I said, you know what? You're here for the business. We're here to build a business. Do what you need to do. Well, the guy quit on me before that happened, which, you know, thank God. I was happy with that because, you know, I didn't want to lose my friendship over it. So it ended up working out, which didn't matter. I mean, at that point in time, to be honest, I already started feeling like I had enough. And I remember I had an issue with a, uh, with a, some, one of my suppliers, not, not so much with the supplier himself, but with the product. And I remember the, I couldn't get a hold of the guy and, um, just wouldn't answer his phone, wouldn't return when there's a problem. Now the orders kept coming, right? Like every time I ordered new stuff and new paper and new, whatever the orders kept coming, I didn't slow down, but the issue with the one order was not getting resolved and nobody would answer the damn phone. So I would email the orders and would show up, right? So I'm going, what the heck? All of a sudden, a few months down the road has come because I haven't paid, right? That guy shows up to the office. Ah, okay. Now you're here for payment. He says, no, I just came to see how you're doing. No, you didn't. Anyways, moral of the story, I was, again, you know I mean? I wasn't exactly in a calm mode. I, I got fed up of the business, and I just didn't want to accept that. So, or at least I got, I, I got burnt out at the very worst, or at the very least. So I remember I said to him, you know, I'm I fed up of this. If I had X amount of dollars, I'd be out of this business. Lo and behold, we made a deal. Not that day, but we came back the following week. We made a deal. And my supplier is the one who bought me out. So everything was cleared. Everything was done. It was good. Now, my biggest torture was that was in like May, but I had to hang on till October. I was feeling like I was tortured, right? I wanted out and I wanted out that day. I did not want to wait. Like, remember what I said, I'm quick to make decisions. I don't have to think. The, the, the con side of that or the downside of that, if you want to, if you will, is that when I want out, I want out. When I say I'm out, let's make a deal. Yeah, great. We made the deal today. Yeah, see, I'm not coming back tomorrow. Like that's, that's when I said I'm all in, I'm all in. But again, I got to honor the deal. I got to honor that. And I got to make sure things are fulfilled before the transition. I get it. But believe me, that was painful. It felt painful. So where did I go from there? Okay. Business sold. October comes along. I'm out. What do I do now? So, I mean, believe it or not, I did security for a bit, right? Just uh, on the side, I had to figure out what I wanted in life, trying to find myself, what makes me happy. Then, then I created something called uh, Click GTA. I decided that uh, I had this idea, and originally, me and a buddy of mine uh, had wanted to work together on it. Um, that didn't pan out, um, and for no reason, I was in somebody else. Uh, the other, it just different directions, and all good. So I continued and I continued with it, but, and what it was is basically sort of like, it's sort of like, well, GTA, greater Toronto area. So it's all about everything that's happening in the greater Toronto area, whether it's events, uh, restaurant meals, whatever. Like if it had to do with the GTA, I was there. We got, uh, I learned, you know, and this is where I built up more of my skills. So I found a solution. So people want to know where to go, click GTA. All the, you can get tickets there. You can get uh, passes there. You can get uh, whatever, right? How's my mark? What would I do for marketing? Hey, you know what? I had an idea. You get in there, and I'm not the only one who did this part of the idea, but it was something I did as well. I got in, took pictures, went into the uh, to events. I took pictures of the events. Then I printed up these cards that uh, was in the shape of a camera, and I had this. Uh, and every time I take a picture, somebody says, "Where do I get it?" Give them the picture. 
give them the camera picture uh, card. They have the camera card, had the uh, web address where to get it, click gta.com or .ca, depending whichever one at the time, because they ended up having both. Um, and yeah, people go get their pictures and they see what we're about. They register for events, register for whatever. You can get all the information. In fact, actually, to be honest, I grew so much that I got to the point that um, I was able to get into concerts to uh, do reviews and stuff like that as well. Uh, I got in with uh, Live Nation, so I was able to send in my uh, my requests. And I mean, they're not going to prove on everything. I wasn't that big, but it was enough that I was getting noticed. But I wanted to take it to a next level. What was my next level? Why not? I loved radio, remember? So why not get into streaming online? So I created Click Radio, which was an affiliate of this Click GTA. They worked hand in hand. So my Click Radio site was predominantly radio online, but it was integrated with the Click GTA as well. So you can be on Click GTA looking for your photos or the videos that were playing, and you can be listening to the streaming radio. Where did I go with that? How did I how did I build that? I got into the night like the nightclubs for live broadcasting. So now you can you can, just like you can hear on Z103, Chum FM, Kiss 92, whoever the heck was uh, playing from the clubs. Just like you can hear the live playing, you can go to my website and listen to the club uh, to the nightclubs uh, live, right? Whether, whether no matter where it was, whether you know what I mean. Well, obviously you have to be at the clubs we were at that night, but you'd be able to hear what the clubs were playing through your phone or your computer while you're getting ready through your phone, put it through your car and you can listen to the club music while you're driving there. And the best part is there was no commercials. So I did that for a while and it was working out too. In fact, actually, to be honest, between the click GD and click radio, I had an opportunity to sell that too. Came close, close. And it was from a major uh, business which I, at the time I didn't know. Well, I knew the business was major. I didn't know what was going on. I was clueless to it. I didn't know how people approach you. Uh, and then I learned about a new process there and how the big companies will approach you. Yeah, you know, so it's interesting. That was a big lesson there. And yeah, so it didn't happen. Um, I kind of know why, but it doesn't matter. It, it was still great. It was still a great venture. And I got into broadcasting again. If you remember, broadcasting was my number one love. So I got into that. Then from there, um, that's when my mom started getting sick. She ended up in a retirement home and my dad wasn't doing so well either, uh, shortly after that. So at that point in time, I ended up staying home with my dad and I didn't get out. I tried to keep it alive through, uh, paying people, getting employees to uh, do the work. But, uh, I went from a money maker to a money loss or like almost instantly. And it is what it is. So I turned, I decided to close that down. And because I, I didn't know how long I was going to be out of commission for that. So I went a good, um, I would say I was pretty much not working for at least three and a half years. And I didn't want that to go in vain. Well, the first two years it was, I uh, was with my dad. Then he ended up in the home as well. Then I thought about it and said, what am I going to do with myself now? I tried getting a job. I worked at CPP that lasted four months. And then it was just too far for, I took a job that was further than I was willing to go from where, you know, based on proximity to my house. So that wasn't working out. So I, I dropped that and I thought, what am I going to do now? What do I want to do with myself? And I started thinking about things and yeah, I'm going to admit this. I was kind of inspired by the whole HGTV as well. Right. I mean, that was my, my only decision. Let's be clear. I made my only reason. Let's be clear about that. 
Um, but yeah, the whole HGTV had an inspiration here. Um, I like the whole housing thing. So the fact that I was passionate about housing and I like being in housing and I used to go to open houses, you know, just to look at houses because I liked it and never occurred to me that, that the agents there are trying to uh, get leads from this as well. So they're sitting there trying to get a lead from me. I'm not buying. <laughs> so I learned that later and the whole semantics of that. But I used to look at open houses and stuff. And then my dad was a landlord as well. So I remember going to the houses with him. So I looked at that and I said, this stuff interests me. So I thought rather than looking at this stuff for free and hanging out there for free and just, you know, wasting time, why don't I get into the course? I did. I got into the course and when I got into, yeah, it took me the whole 18 months to get into the course. I mean, to get into the course, finish it. Um, I find it very overwhelming, I guess, because I cared too much. And what I mean by cared too much is I got over emotional about it and I used to panic and have anxiety attacks. Yeah, believe it or not, sometimes I get anxiety over stuff. Um, and it is what it is. I'm learning to get over it. And yeah, like I got, uh, so I went through the course. I graduated, like through the course I finished, got my license. My first brokerage was uh, Royal LePage Signature. And yeah, things were great. I was excited. I got into it and, and maybe a little bit too into it. But um, I remember the first, in a very short time, without saying exactly how much, I've been to see over 4,000 homes. Trust me when I say that's abnormal. That's not normal, especially with the amount of transactions I did at that time. At the time, I did less than five. And I, you know what I mean? And I've been in over 4,000 uh, homes. So that's really not normal. <laughs> but I got excited. I want to compare. I want to see everything. I want to learn everything about the industry. I want to know what, what, what I'm comparing to. I did open house after open house after open house after open house. And like every weekend. I mean, I remember one year I went 50 weeks straight out of the 52 where I had an open house every weekend. And yeah, where I'm going with this, that led me to burnout. And I was totally burnt out. And yeah, to the point that I actually gave up my license after that because I got burnt out. But that didn't last. I, I took my break. Once I gave up my license, I thought I was doing something else. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I thought maybe I'll get into this media thing since I love podcasts. And, you know, by the way, this was the birth of my podcast. So I started doing podcasts. I absolutely loved doing it. And I got, and I was fed up of real estate. I was burnt out and depressed. And I thought real estate was the problem. So 65, 67 days into it, I realized real estate wasn't the problem. I was just burnt out. So now it's time to uh, decide what I'm going to do. I thought I'm going to get back into real estate. Uh, yeah, I was past the 60 day mark. I had to take the update course shattering. I was not expecting that and there's no way around it. So I had to take the update course. Fine. Um, I had to also decide what brokerage I'm going to go to now. I, I decided that I'm going to move somewhere in proximity to where I live. I moved out. I forgot to mention back. I moved out from Etobicoke once my parents passed on and they passed on just before I got my license. I decided to um, move out of the city, move out of Etobicoke. I just needed a change. So where I'm going with this, I wanted to get into a brokerage in proximity to where I live. So I had a bunch of people I knew, like a few friends that went over to Remax Center, 
They had an office in Hamilton. Said, you know what? I'm going to go to Remax uh, just because it's close to me and I like the Remax brand. So going back to Signature would have meant I had to drive all the way back to Mississauga. I live in Grimsby. I thought, I don't want to do that. Um, I love the brokerage, amazing brokerage. Probably one of the ones I was happiest overall. But I did not want to drive the Mississauga from Grimsby. So I thought. And fast forward, I go. I was at Remax for a bit. And uh, my renewal came up. I had to decide, am I renewing? Um, at that point in time, I decided that based on, uh, yeah, I just decided that uh, I wanted to go. Uh, I was going to go back to Signature. I thought uh, being at somewhere just for the uh, sake of proximity to your house wasn't reason enough. So I decided to uh, go back to Signature at the time. And this happened right about a week before we closed for COVID. So you can imagine, here I am, I move brokerages and we close down. So I've been in real estate, you know, I've been continuous there, right? So I've been continuously working there. Like in at Royal Page, things were you know are good. I'm not complaining, and, and you know it's been great. It's been really great. In fact, to be honest, 2020 was probably for real estate the best year. And then, yeah, in 2021 started off really rough, but it's actually picked up for me. Like things are rough because you know things went wrong, but it's actually a lot better now, and I'm starting to get traction again. Like, don't get me wrong, it's not that I haven't been dead, but I wasn't on the same pace as I was in 2020. I've done a few transactions, so, you know, not bad. I mean, I can't complain. Uh, you know, I, my, I've made more than a living. So, I mean, I have more than a living's expenses as well. Like my break, I'm not going to hide it. My break even is I have to make 75K to have $0 in the bank. If I make less than 75K in a year, I'm losing money. Uh, my expenses are just that high. Um, I've got to work on that too, but that's besides the point. So I've been there at Signature ever since. I don't have any intent to go anywhere else. I'm doing real estate. That's where I'm at now. And I'm pretty all right with it. So where I'm saying, oh, I forgot to mention also going back to the print. The year before I decided to sell, I did a comparison in the market to see, you know, we got the top 100 in the, you know, I think it was North America. And I looked at my sales. I looked at the numbers. I'm 94. I was like, wow, I hit 94. I'm a nobody. That's pretty good. That was my highest. Uh, that was my biggest, you know, sales adventure there. You know what I mean? Like that was the biggest number, my, 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 the peak. I was in number 94 and I was just shy of eight figures, just shy. And then, you know what I mean? Like, so it was pretty interesting. I, I, I'm very happy for myself on that one. Like, yeah, like I, I'm, I'm thrilled. You know what I mean? I think that was uh, a great accomplishment that I keep with me and treasure. I've learned a lot. I've learned all the things I've done wrong. I've done all the, a lot of things that I've done right. My biggest lesson out there is when you're in business, know when you need to build your team. Hire slowly, fire quickly. I remember they're your team. They're there to support you. They're there to build you. They're not there to take from you and they're not, they don't expect to take from you. They're there to build. If you treat them as an asset and not as an expense, they'll want to work with you, respect them. They'll respect you build and grow together. And the possibilities 
are unlimited. So that is my podcast of today. That is, I guess, somewhat of a brief version of uh, my life. And, you know, I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any questions, reach out. Thanks for tuning in to the John Papaloni Show.